You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and... But probably not. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway's successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. We're just going to get right into it this time. <laughs> I know. I was listening to the other recordings. Yeah. And there's always like this, I don't know, like 30 seconds in the beginning where yeah. we're just chatting with each other. And like this time we had nothing to say, except now I've just used the 30 seconds. <laughs> As you were talking, I was like, but it's happening I know, right now. It's happening. It's totally happening. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. And that's Sweet Pea growling because we're playing with a toy. You know, she was totally calm. Yeah, she and knows. even sleeping. And as soon as I hit the record button is when she brings me her little toy and just she starts growling. So she knows. She does. She's smart and manipulative. Yeah. Kind of a jerk. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. Oh, let me move my mic stand. There we go. That's better. Uh, right. So this is oh. the podcast where we talk about. <laughs> well, I feel like we've missed this every single episode from. Okay, so you've reached Theater Geeks Anonymous. <laughs> I said that part. Though. Oh, I. Oh, yeah, yeah you did. Uh, where we talk about Broadway flops, scandals, and new works. Who fails? Who sues? We tell their story, and we actually Ebony. I'm going to tell this is one. Is going to tell this one, and I have no no inkling at all about what this show is about. Mo- most people don't know this show. Like most. You'll find out why like, most people are like, what is this? Um, but 
I so I first was introduced to this musical that we're going to talk about today on the Behind the Curtain podcast. Oh, we love those guys. We, I just really do. I oh, P.S. Yeah, I finally got to meet Rob Schneider. This is so exciting. She texted me last <laughs> night. Tell me the story. So I I went to uh, Fifty Four Below has the Broadway Bound concert, and I went to the one in March as well. And uh, I I said I was going. And then on Twitter, he was like, come say hi. And I was with my friend and it was like the late show. So you just like ran out after because we were so tired. So I didn't get to meet him. So this time I was like, OK, I'm at the seven show, which is much more reasonable. Nice. Um, and so after I, the whole night was like amazing because like the people I sat with, um, the gentleman who was sitting next to me, which we'll get into because I'm going to talk a little bit about um, him as well awesome. during this. But um. So anyway, Rob again was like, come, come say hi. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it this time. Like it's happening today. So at the end of the concert, I did run over there and he's just as wonderful and precious as you always (laughs) hoped. Tell him what you said about our podcast. (laughs) And so then I, we were just like gushing about each other's (laughs) podcast, which I didn't expect because I didn't even, I didn't even know he and and Kevin listened to us. I love and I was us. like, you listen to us? <laughs> and he was like, of course I do. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> just like- the fact that we're being followed by another podcast that you and I both listen to, yeah. I just think is really cool. It's really fun. It's super fun. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a, it was a good night that if um, if you all, you know, you're listening to our podcast, so you obviously <laughs> like. Um, you know, stories about shows that either mm-hmm. didn't make it to Broadway or did make it but didn't necessarily find an audience. Right. Then I highly recommend um, checking out the concert series that Rob Schneider and Jennifer Ashley Tepper do at 54 Below called Broadway Bound. It's very fascinating. It is. So interesting and fun. Um, you can find a lot of clips on YouTube if you're yeah. not able to actually come to New York to see that show. It's fun. They tell, so the, much fun. just like we do, they tell us the backstory, but then they have live performances right. of those shows. So it's really, really cool. And obviously, the show's not very long. Like, it's a cabaret, so it's about an hour, hour and a half at mm-hmm. most. Um, so they, they don't, they're not able to go like super in depth because you don't have much time and they do multiple shows. And so that's where we come that's in. That's where we come in. <laughs> I, I got a lot of like new, there were a lot of new shows I hadn't heard oh, of last awesome. night. Um, but they did do, they did do Annie too, <laughs> Miss Hannigan's Revenge. So that was like super yes. fun. And Alice Ripley was <gasps> Miss Hannigan. Shut up. Yes. <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah, she was wonderful. I bet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what other shows did they perform that night? Um, Last night they did Mick Something. Now okay. I can't remember the name of it. Mrs. <laughs> Mick Something. But she's like, she's like a witch. And like, it's, it's this like very kind of strange storyline. But yeah. funny thing is, okay, so I... Huh, I met so many awesome people last night. I met the man, one of the men who co-wrote it last night. Okay. Um, and he's like, they got, they got such good reviews. They were off Broadway. They were told like they thought it would be, you know, as big as Annie, if not bigger. Wow. Because it was so well received. Um, and apparently this gentleman had two shows. I actually have his card. Oh. So I, I'll tell his name at the end of the episode because I have to dig out the card. Awesome. Um, 
but they had two shows that were very well received and like neither of them made it to Broadway. Okay. And this was one of those shows. Um, they also did, oh, the show. Okay. I can't remember the title. I'm going to have to Google it during <laughs> halftime or whatever. I'm Googling um, right now, by the okay. way, just so that I can Mrs. see if I can find, but Mc, I make something. I'm not finding the Mrs. Mick. When I get the card out to give you the name of the composer, like you could just Google his name and then okay. it, that, that, that will come up. Yeah, definitely. The other one was this musical, um, and I can't remember if it was based on a play or a book, but like we're definitely doing this. We're definitely <laughs> doing like Mother's Day. Okay. We should definitely do this one because this one, um, the piece it was based on is like the story of this mom whose children grow up. She becomes an empty nester and she gets so. Uh, Mrs. McThing? Yes. <laughs> That's it. Okay, Mrs. McThing. Yeah, 1952 is what it says. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. And then what you're talking about, Empty Nester. Yeah, she's an empty nester. And then in the musicalized version, the mom is so, like, she's having such a difficult time letting go of her children. She goes with her son to college. (laughs) But it was so creepy for audiences. Like, it just was not (laughs) well received. That's too bad, because that sounds really funny. Guess who the mom was. (gasps) Wait, what year was this? The 70s. Hmm. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Donna McKechnie? No. Who? Uh, she was older because she was the mom. Oh, oh that's older. right. <clears throat> Who would have been old in the 70s? Older. Uh, Not necessarily old. <laughs> Shoot, I don't know. Who? Maud. <gasps> Shut up. Yeah, it was B. Arthur. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, she did a lot of shows that yeah. would actually, maybe that should be our theme for next season, yeah, is people, all of the B. Arthur shows. We would have a Carolee Carmelo, <laughs> <laughs> we would have B. Arthur, we would have Angela Lansbury, and then we could they're do Pretty ju- Belle. Yes, they just do all of these shows that just yeah. didn't make it, but they're in so many of yeah. them. Oh, that'd oh, be amazing. Oh, Julie Andrews, there was another one about uh, the royal family Julie Andrews was supposed to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this other young lady whose name is escaping me right now. But they, it was like it was like what the like how we had dueling wild parties. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like the dueling royal family musicals. Uh, oh, you know what? We haven't done the wild party yet. We had the dueling vampire episode. Oh, right. Wild parties in like December. Maybe the season three should be about that. Like Carolee Carmelo shows. Yeah. You know, go head to head. Yeah. Be Arthur, head to head, you know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. okay. I love that idea. Okay. Let well, us know t- what you guys think. <laughs> Season three. <laughs> okay. So, all that to say, <laughs> um, today's episode is about the musical Senator Joe. Senator Joe. Okay. So, this musical, Senator Joe, mm-hmm. is about Senator Joseph McCarthy. Oh. So, you may have heard of McCarthyism. Yes. And that. Uh, term is coined because of him okay so is this about that aspect of his life or is this when he was still just a regular old senator no that's that's about mccarthyism okay this musical is more about that so it's kind of heavy for a musical yeah (laughs) i would say so um okay so mccarthy was a u.s senator who served wisconsin from 1947 until his death in 1957 at the age of 48 The term McCarthyism, which is the practice of making accusations of subversion or treason without proper regard for evidence, was coined after him. McCarthy was the public face of communist subversion during the Cold War. He's known for alleging 
that numerous communists, Soviet spies, and sympathizers had infiltrated the U.S. federal government, universities, the art industries, etc. In uh, February, I'm going to give you a backstory on Joseph McCarthy because, again, it is the musical. In February of 1950, he gave a speech suggesting that he had a list of communist spies and sympathizers. Previous to this speech, he had an undistinguished career, but this speech... Uh, that he made in Wheeling, Ohio, led to his national fame. A month after he gave the speech, the Senate voted unanimously to start a subcommittee called the Tidings Committee, named after its chairman. J. Edgar Hoover suggested that McCarthy work with Roy Cohn as his chief counsel. Roy had been the assistant U.S. attorney in, Man in the Manhattan office of the U.S. attorney Irving Saypool. Roy became McCarthy's bulldog and worked to help him conduct the hearings, often conducting off-the-record or executive sessions away from the Capitol. That's never a good sign. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Roy Cohn would also play a major role in the Lavender Scare, which was a set of communist investigations into the homosexual community, which oh. would blackmail people into giving up government secrets in exchange for keeping their sexual orientation a secret. I've never heard of that. Me neither until I did this research. And That's I was amazing. like, oh. Roy Cohn himself was a closeted homosexual. <laughs> you know what? You, you hate what you are. Mm-hmm. You hate uh, in other people what you hate about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a hot mess. Oh, it's terrible. Um, this lavender scare was part of the second red scare. Um, this fed into the House of Un-American Activities investigations known as the first red scare, mm -hmm. which had been occurring since 1946. Lists of people alleged to have communist ties were published in The Hollywood Reporter. And the individuals on the list would be blacklisted and barred from working. This blacklist was so devastating for people that some committed suicide wow. as they were no longer able to make a living and some lost everything. <sighs> yeah. A few of the most famous individuals blacklisted were Orson Welles, Lena Horne, Dalton Trumbo, and Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. For its beginning, the Tidings Committee was marked by partisan infighting. Its final report, written by the Democratic majority, concluded that the individuals on, the McCar on McCarthy's list were neither communist nor pro-communist and said the State Department had an effective security program. Tidings labeled McCarthy's charges a fraud and a hoax and said that the result of McCarthy's actions was to confuse and divide the American people. No mm. kidding. Yeah. To a degree far beyond the hopes of the communists themselves. Yeah. Well, it was like, you know, they said, uh, we'll, you know, we'll tell you that you're a communist yeah. unless you give us someone else that you think is. And so that person who is, you know, uh, basically being pressured into... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, giving up his neighbor and his friend says, oh, so-and-so. Well, then so-and-so is then arrested. It's just awful. I mean, it's well, a 20th century mm -hmm. witch hunt. Well, and it's it's interesting because right around the same time was when we had the Japanese internment camps yeah. and all of these things. Like, if you look like the enemy, we will keep you, you know, quote-unquote safe. Mm -hmm. But it's not. If you look like the enemy, you must be. So we're going to put you away right. so that you can't hurt us. And it's right. all based on fear and insecurity, which is just Awful, because that is not what America was built on. It's not. It's. Uh, ooh, I mean, <laughs> she just dropped her. I iPad. did. I'm just. I mean, <laughs> also, I'm having flashbacks to now. But okay. <laughs> um, 
Republicans responded in kind with William Jenner stating that Tidings was guilty of the most brazen whitewash of treasonable conspiracy in our history. The full Senate voted three times on whether to accept the report, and each time the voting was precisely divided along party lines. Wow. In 1954, Leroy Gore began the Joe Must Go campaign, citing that he was (laughs) undermining the authority of President Dwight D. Eisenhower, who never agreed with Joseph's hearings. Wow. On March 9, 1954, Senator Ralph E. Flanders called for the censoring of Joseph McCarthy, and the Senate brought 46 charges against him. A subcommittee was created to conduct hearings on these charges, and, uh, and after two months, he was found guilty on two of the 46 charges and censored, which is basically a formal rebuke. It's sort of like when, if you're Amish and you get um, shunned. shunned, yeah. He still had all the power with none of the respect, right? So he still had to go to the Senate. Yeah, still basically. Ha- like voted. Um, the first formal censorship was done to none other than oh, Alexander Hamilton. Ah, <laughs> I love it. The first Treasury Secretary of the U.S. and the most famous historical politician right now, thanks to a little Broadway musical no one can get <laughs> tickets to. <laughs> I went five times. Um, McCarthy died on May 2nd, 1957 due to hepatitis of the liver, which is believed to be due to his alcoholism, which some purport may have been exacerbated by his divisive end with the Senate. Sure. Yeah. I wonder, though, if it's like a chicken before the egg kind of thing, because like maybe the alcoholism, Mm -hmm. you know, it was always there. Yeah. And so that. You know, but then he just had more time. Right. Yeah. And maybe that also like led to all the things he did while he was senator. Well, And you know what? I think it's in Chinese medicine. They say that anger, you hold anger in your liver. I think that's Mm -hmm. right. I don't know. I think that that's right. I'm going to believe you. If I'm wrong, you just let me know. But I'm going to say with confidence (laughs) that I think (laughs) I think that that's what they say. And so, like, he's not a very happy man. No. And that could very well have have been detrimental to his liver as well. Right. Boy, man, everything's connected. You know what I mean? Like, stress is no joke. Like, your body goes through it when you are stressed out. It's true. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so you may ask yourself the question, why is this a musical? Why is this a musical? <laughs> Wait. Okay. I feel oh, like Ebony, you can hear all it's of very loud. So, because I, I can't take it out, yeah. so I'm just gonna point out to the audience that my dog is chewing on a bone, a mere a foot maybe away from my microphone. Go down on the floor, maybe. Let's try. Go down. Good girl. It might still be loud. We'll see. Apologies, okay. everybody. Okay. So the year is 1988. Tom O'Horgan wanted to create an opera company. <laughs> I'm going to take this away. It's mine now. Shh. I'm sorry. It's mine. It's mine. Nope. Go find something else. 
The year is 1988. <laughs> Sweet pea, like, but like, what is your deal? We're recording. We're recording right now, and I need you to be quiet. Okay. Thanks, love. Let's just lay down. Here, get comfy on Take the blanket. A nap. Yeah. Go to sleep. Lay down. Get comfy. The year is. <laughs> the year is 1988. Tom O'Horgan wanted to create an opera company that combined pop music and opera. Popra. Popra. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. just go down, please. I'm sorry, Petal. Thank you. You're being quiet and sweet peas not, but go. Shh. None of that. The year? <laughs> the year is 1988. <laughs> Tom O'Horgan wanted to create an opera company that combined pop music and opera. Popra. Popra. <laughs> Tom O'Horgan, although known as a well-respected and accomplished theatrical director, was also an accomplished composer and wanted to compose the music for his opera company. He asked three friends that were writers, librettist Eve Merriam. Um, she would adapt the libretti for Tis Pity She's a Whore. Okay. Jonathan Walker would write Nimrod, uh, and then Senator Joe would be written by Perry Kroger. Now, Perry, um, he he speaks at one of Jennifer Ashley Tepper's. It was before she had Broadway bound at 54 Below. She okay. would do, like, something smaller at a yeah. different theater. I think it was a Lucille Lortel or something. Okay. Um, and so Peter was there, and so I watched that YouTube video, and it's very fascinating. Cool. Um, Tom O'Horgan had known Perry from his time directing Hair as Perry had been a cast member in the show at age 19. Cool. The original? Yes. Nice. The original. Unfortunately, Eve Merriam passed away before she could finish the libretto for Tis Pity, She's a Whore. Oh, okay. Senator Joe, the musical, was never meant to go to Broadway. It was meant only for off-Broadway as a piece for the New York Opera Company, because that's what they called it. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. really? Yes, they did. They did. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and was written in the Brechtian pastiche style as a satirical cartoon musical for the 80s. Okay. So wasn't, was it Kelly that was like the same uh -huh, thing? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um, this idea was popular at the time as we saw the team who wrote, yep, Kelly. <laughs> I put this in my notes. Love it. Was trying to do the same thing and Carrie was meant to be so as well. Yeah. Okay. Infamous <laughs> producer enters stage left field. Oh, no. <laughs> That's really clever. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> was a producer on Hair, and Tom brought her in to help them finance the three pieces. Okay. So they were meant to run in rep. Oh, okay. The three pieces. Now, Adela was an immigrant from Madrid. Um, she fled an unhappy marriage to a man twice her age, arrived in New York pregnant and penniless, determined to make life for herself. She became an admin assistant for the Argentine Purchasing Commission and figured out how to invest her money. Amazing. Super smart. She shipped Spanish rice to Japan, arranged credit for Greek ship owners, and invested her profits in New York real estate. 
A year after arriving in New York and working for the commission, she was charged with grand larceny and forgery, but the charges were dropped. What? Okay. It's only going to get better, friends. (laughs) She later met and married shipping magnate Peter A. Holzer, who was her third husband. While married to him, she was the president of two companies dealing in commodities trading and began investing both of their money in Broadway musicals. The first was Hare in 1967, where she invested $57,000, and she claimed she had made a $2 million profit, although it's been suggested that she actually made around $117,000. Oh, wait, though, was she just saying... I made yeah. a lot more. Oh, okay. So yeah. it wasn't like embezzlement or anything like she that. She was, was saying just... she was. She okay. Did. She just said she was more important than yes. she actually was. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a tidy profit right there. Yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From 1967 to 1977, Adela Holzer was known as the Angel of Broadway. She would invest big, lose big, and win big. It is estimated that over this 10-year period, she lost... million on 10 different shows. Oh, that's not actually bad. That's not terrible. (laughs) Especially when you consider 75% of shows lose money. So she, you know, she's a regular producer. Like she's, you know what I mean? Totally. In the summer of 1977, she was indicted for bilking investors of $800,000 to run her Ponzi scheme. Uh Uh-oh. During her quote-unquote toast of Broadway season, she would use the money she got from smaller investors to pay back bigwigs like Gerald Gerald Schoenfeld, the head of the Schubert organization. In October of 1977, she was charged with 248 counts for a total of $2.3 million. Total number of indictments against her came to a sum of somewhere between $15 to $13 million. Whoa. By 1979, her husband had divorced her after finding out she had conned him and his family out of $3 million. Oh, my gosh. This is woman is a piece of work. Yeah. It, I don't remember if I texted you because I was like, her story is better than Bernie Madoff's story. You did not tell me. Okay. This I think is, I yeah. did it on purpose because <laughs> I was like, it's true crime. She's going to love it. It's just, I mean, like, this rings of Rebecca. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. Okay, keep going. I want to hear the whole story. (laughs) Okay, so your question might be now at this point, how did Adela keep coming back to Broadway? How did Adela keep coming back to Broadway? (laughs) After bilking (laughs) people out of all that money. It's all about trust. Money is all about trust. And like, surely after being indicted for on 248 counts, someone's going to be like, maybe I'm not going to give her my money. Right. Maybe. You would think. You would think. Oh, man. You know, but like entertainment industry, we love a comeback. That's true, I guess. So I Plus, think... there wasn't any social media at that point in right. time. So maybe a lot of people just didn't even know. I don't know, though, because even now, like Broadway is like this it's little a very community. small community. Yeah. You're right. So they, they would have heard about her. Yeah. You might ask how Adela was able to fund Senator Joe at all with two terms in prison for swindling investors out of millions of dollars. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Please do. Senator Joe was to be Adela's first show on Broadway after getting out of prison. She was producing the show with Chester Fox, who was the press rep for a string of flops, including The Rape of the Belt. I don't know. I don't know, guys. <laughs> the Rape of the Belt? I don't know. It's what, it was, like, it's what it's called. And Let It Ride. <laughs> 
Adele has said of her return to Broadway producing, I'm really humble, but I think that the theater needs me right now. <laughs> okay, so Senator Joe was meant to run off Broadway and rep with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, written by Jonathan Walker, as part of the inaugural season of the New York Popra. But with no off-Broadway theaters open to house the shows, Adela talked Tom into moving them to Broadway. Harry Kroger said that when Tom called him to say the show would be moving to Broadway, he said, well, that's the end of the show. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Well, because he knew. He was like, this well, isn't like that for... at that point. See, here's the thing. We've talked about this yeah. before. If you don't have every single person on board, your show is going to flop. Well, see, P- Perry wrote it. Right. Right. But he knew. He was like, this is not going to work for Broadway. Right. Like, he knew. He wrote it not yeah. for Broadway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. They were tentatively set to open on December 15th, 1988, at the Virginia Theater, which is now called the August Wilson Theater. Okay. The marquee for Carrie was taken down, and Senator Joe was added. Rehearsals for the musical began in October of 88, but funds were not procured to begin previews. The marquee for Carrie was taken (laughs) down, and Senator Joe was added. Rehearsals for the musical began in October of 88, but funds were not procured to begin previews. <laughs> okay. Adela borrowed 500000 from European banks and was able to get the show up on its feet. But by the time the show was able to begin previews at the Virginia Theater, um, the Virginia had contracted a musical to fill the spot that Senator Joe was to fill. To begin previews, Adela moved the show to the then-vacant Neil Simon Theater across the street. All right. The producers didn't have enough money to move the marquee, so this Neil Simon Theater <laughs> still read Kenny Loggins on Broadway instead of Senator Joe. <laughs> Do we have a picture of that? Well, um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. If you, if you listen to the... Um, if you listen to the Behind the Curtain episode, the Peter Felicia episode, and if you go to minute 38, from minute 38 to minute 4130 is like when he talks about Senator Joe. Awesome. And he used to live on 50, what, what is that, 57th Street, I yeah, think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, and so <laughs> I'm the a way, bad New Yorker. <laughs> he, the way he was, he was walking down the street, he could only see the Kenny Loggins marquee. Okay. So he... he he didn't know what was there, and his story's so cool because he just was, like, walking down the street. He saw the the Kenny Loggins marquee, but he was like, that's closed. Just kept <laughs> walking down the street and um, sees that excuse me, <clears throat> Senator Joe and another show were running in rep um, <laughs> at this, like, in previews at, at the Neil Simon. Um and there was just like a bunch of people, like a line of people going in, he said. And he goes up to the ticket booth and he's like, uh, um, like, what's in there? And the guy tells him and he like, you know, well, no, he was about to just like walk in. And the guy's like, you can't just do that. You have to have a ticket, blah, 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 yelling at and yelling at him. He's <laughs> like, OK, well, like, what is the show? Can I get a ticket? The guy's still yelling at him, but like ends up giving him a ticket because like. Yeah. <laughs> and so then. He walks in, and that's when he said, uh, actually, in the the episode, he said it. he remembered it being the stomach, but it's actually, like, the liver where there's, like, the tap dancing in the liver, which was, like, the whole reason <laughs> I wanted to do this episode. Because I was like, this is absolutely the craziest thing I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah, but, but 
Peter talking about it. If you all can go to that episode, I highly recommend listening to him because he tells the story so much better than I just did. <laughs> okay, so a week before previews, Adela, this part is so nuts. A week before previews, Adela, with two large bodyguards, walked into the theater with black garbage bags full of cash and said, here are your checks for this week's pay. Oh, heavens. I don't even know. It's like, it's kind of artistic, actually. Is it? it? Here's your trash money. (laughs) Out of town, they had to use cardboard cutouts of champagne because they couldn't afford the real thing. On stage? Yes, on Holding stage. Holding little pieces of cardboard? Yes, so yes. That, oh my In the gosh. shape of champagne glasses. <laughs> and and also, I mean, you mentioned it before, and I, I was, but you were telling the story, and I didn't want to interrupt you. You said yes. that it was running in rep with another show, which is unheard of for Broadway. Has that ever happened before? I Like, it's not something that... It's not something I can say that I've seen. Uh, no. I but, mean, like, I've never even heard of it happening before. But it was the 80s. Oh, so that's that, true. Like, you know, New York City wasn't doing super well. You know, well. those weirdos in the 80s. Also, <laughs> this was the same season as Legs Diamond. So, <laughs> which also was like, the guys I was talking to last night, I love these gentlemen. Like, they, it was so much fun. Um <laughs> So Adela paid only in cash, and sometimes the cast and crew didn't get paid at all. They canceled a performance because only one ticket had been sold. (gasps) Can you imagine being that one ticket person, like, going to the show and just sitting there? I wonder if it was, like, if she bought the ticket or he bought the ticket Mm -hmm. and it was in the balcony and she had to sit in the balcony. Like, (laughs) No, they canceled the show. No, I know, but, like, just... If they had kept going for the one person... right. You still have to no, sit in I'm your sorry. seat. I'm sorry. Your ticket is for the that, nosebleed section. You have to sit there. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Senator Joe began previews on January 5th, 1989. After three previews, the show closed on January 7th, 1989. Some people say it was like a preview and a half. Okay. Like it. Oh, yeah. So it was like. There's speculation as to like how many actual um, show episodes, not episodes, actual shows it was. But um, I believe Perry on in the YouTube video, he said it was three previews at the time of its closing. Senator Joe was playing at eleven point seven percent capacity and only made five thousand six hundred and sixty one dollars, which in 2017 money is eleven thousand one hundred sixty three dollars and thirty one cents. Yikes. On the day of what would have been the fourth preview, Adela Holzer was arrested in a phone booth and taken <laughs> to Rikers Island for defrauding sixty five people out of a four out of four million dollars. Because of this show or because of a different because of this show. Venture. Oh, man. How did a convicted felon get the opportunity and funds to do this show in the first place? She simply told investors that she was the secret wife of David Rockefeller. She (laughs) kept a picture of him in a silver frame at her desk. She claimed that she had $1 million in the bank and would carry a bank statement. Some said looked like it had been Xeroxed a million times to prove she was legitimate. (laughs) She assured them that their money wasn't going to Broadway because it was too much of a risk. 
So she told them that their money was going into oil and other commodities. Oh, my gosh. Yep. This lady is a piece of work. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So I feel bad for Perry and for Tom Mm. O'Horgan in this whole situation. So Perry, um, Joe had like a almost second chance. Um, not in New York, though. But in 1992, David Buckley, who uh, was a producer on Debbie Does Dallas, um, he wanted to take the show to Moscow. So he took he took Tom and Perry to Moscow to 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 uh, put up the show. Perry was also the show's designer at the Moscow Theater. He was the first American to design for the Moscow Art Theater. Um, and he worked on building the show for four months. Uh, but Buckley couldn't fund the show, and it was trashed for the second time. Oh, yeah. it's so heartbreaking. It's it like, oh. Um, but the Moscow Arts Theater hung the show for Perry, and it was photographed. So he Aww. at least has like yeah. pictures of what it would have looked like mm-hmm. if it had gone through. And wow, the poor man's had so much heartbreak with that show. Like if they had just <laughs> waited for an off or off off Broadway theater to open. Yeah. None of this would have happened. Do you think that if he revamped it just slightly mm-hmm. and put it on today that it might like even if it was just off Broadway, but like if he put it on a production today in New York, do you think it would be successful or do you think that the content is just They lost me at that tap dancing inside <laughs> the liver. Well, that's oh. why I say revamp because that was the 80s and I feel like that kind of stuff was done a lot in the 80s okay. like those weird kind of things. The character you Fatty Deposits. <laughs> that's what the character's name no. was. Oh, I'm dead serious. The character's name was Fatty Deposits. Do you remember <laughs> Mr. Goodbody? It was this sort of. It was this like <laughs> TV show early early 80s I feel like because I we were kids at the time that right, I was watching this right. it was this white man you, okay <laughs> remember like the 70s afros that every man had like yes. if you had curly hair you just grew it out until it was everyone right. in god spell had right. the same okay right. this man it was this guy and he wore a flesh colored unitard <laughs> with just organs and I, muscles yes. painted on <laughs> Do you know oh, what I was like? Yeah, I'm and he would sing songs. Flashbacks. <laughs> he would sing songs about the organs or the you know parts of the yes. body, and he would dance. And it was just the weirdest show. But for some reason, I just absolutely loved it as a kid. Anyway, this is what I think of when I think of 1980s creative show. Like right. someone had this idea. Someone went to a TV producer and said, "Hey, I've got. I'm, I'm going to pitch you this show." <laughs> and I feel like if you think about it. In terms of like Senator Joe in the eighties, mm-hmm. of course they would have tap dancing in the liver. Fatty, like, fatty deposit. Fatty deposit. <laughs> Is that his name? That was actually the name. No. Yes, it fatty was. Deposits. Fatty deposits. It's tap dancing inside the liver. No, I'm not joking at all. I don't make this up. I couldn't make. I, I don't know that I could make this up. I, like, listen, am I, I good enough? I believe you. I know. I know. I know. Right. <laughs> but like that was what there. That was what people right. did. No, I told you're right back then. But like, I feel like if you just revamped it, right? I don't know because, like, from what it sounds like was written. I mean, it was literally written for the '80s, so it's like yeah. not just about how it's staged, but mm-hmm. just about how it's written. Okay. So. 
you know, if you want to do a Joseph McCarthy mm-hmm. musical, especially like in the you times think we're in right now. Over. Yeah. And you would just need to make it more, um, probably be a little bit more realistic. Yeah. Hey, geeks. <laughs> Could you just do us a favor and go to Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous? Also, you can follow us on Twitter at TGA. B-way. <laughs> also, uh, P- oh, man, TGABWay at gmail.com. Perfect. Uh, to send us any comments. Uh, Ideas for our intermission episodes. Oh, oh, my gosh. Anything you want to send us, send us there. Or you can also message us on either Twitter or Facebook. Yes, you can. Uh, like, share, follow. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and where else are we? We are also on SoundCloud and Stitcher if you are an Android user. Right. Which I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, none of my friends are. <laughs> I'm just so kidding. are we not friends? Is that what you're saying? What are you talking about? We're more than friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is going way south. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, thank you guys. You're awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. Send us to all of your friends. Yeah. If, if there's anybody you know that you think will like us, please totally. tell them to listen. Hey, if you go to college in a theater department... Spread us around. Yeah, I mean, spread us like a like a sun butter. Listen, if you want to be <laughs> the ultimate theater geek, oh, and know about shows that nobody else knows mm-hmm. about, I think you might want to be trying to listen to us. You could be going to your nine p.m. rehearsal, going, "Hey guys, have you ever heard of the show Senator Joe? Yeah, or maybe something called I don't know, Kelly." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you so Thanks, much guys. for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.